Welcome to Marketing Mysteries Solved, where we explore the trials and triumphs of marketing for healthcare executives. Wendy O'Donovan Phillips, CEO of Big Buzz, is on the case, interviewing guests through her proprietary process and solving some of the toughest marketing challenges in the industry. Let's get started. Today, I'm stoked to welcome my friend, Rachel Hill, Creative Director with Senior Living Foresight. Rachel is one of my favorite creatives in the senior living industry. She's a writer. She's a blogger. She's a videographer. She's a podcaster. She's an influencer. And did I mention she has a voice made for radio? She does. Welcome, Rachel. Hello, Wendy. Thank you so, so much for having me. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm putting on the voice now, like, particularly, I know, right? like you've, you've built it up. So I, I hope your listeners enjoy. <laughs> See what I mean, y'all? Voice made for radio. She's so good. All right. So to start, Rachel, your mom was a caregiver in nursing homes. So I'm just curious. I always like to start and end the show with like a little personal anecdote. I'm just wondering what impact that had on your career trajectory. Wow. Well, first of all, I think it's so cool that you you went there. I'm honestly really surprised. And thank you for sharing that little tidbit about me. You know, I think a lot of people don't know that because I am in the creative space and world in senior living. So yeah, uh, long story short, my mom was a caregiver in nursing homes for 20 plus years. So it was her entire career and she loved every minute of it. I say it shaped me, her working in senior living and as a caregiver, because it it really gave me my moral compass. She had such a big heart, and that's really where I get it from. And then kind of the second part of that, you know, it helped it helps me grow up a lot. You know, I would visit her after school, you know, I'd be like 14, 15, and wanted nothing to do with like being inside a community and all of these things. It just was not was not my jam, particularly as a teenager, as you can imagine. But, you know, she would always ask me when I would stop in after school, like, could I sit with some of the residents whose families wouldn't visit as frequently or couldn't make it out there? And, you know, now that I'm older, I'm in my 30s, you know, I look back on that and that was really, really special. Like I got to have these amazing conversations and learn a lot and be another granddaughter to to someone who didn't get to hang out with with their family. So I love that you asked that. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. It's it's just always fascinating to me how our childhood experiences shape our career trajectories. Like when I look back, my stepmom who raised me with my dad was a lab technician in the basement of the hospital where I was born. And then my dad was a newspaper man. And so like, it's sort of like, oh, like if that had a baby, she'd be in healthcare marketing. That's me, right? <laughs> so I it's just it. fascinating to me that you... <laughs> You had a similar background. Okay, so you're a master storyteller. I'm just really curious, does that come naturally to you or are there tools that you use to inspire the stories you tell or a little bit of both? Oh my gosh. So, you know, I think I think it goes back to high school, right? You know, I <laughs> I was not good with numbers. I was I was not a math person. Wish I was. I still call it my husband. I'm like, "Hey, sweetie, could you tell me like so this is this percent off?" How much am I saving? He's like, I, I can't thing. believe you're interrupting my day at work for this. I'm like, but listen. <laughs> so, so that was like my first realization of like, okay, so I'm not a math person. And then my junior year of high school, really fortunate to go to a great public school. And 
had this really cool class called Novel and Film. Pretty self-explanatory there of uh, what the class covered. But for me, it was such a cool experience getting back to your question about the, the storytelling of like, some of my favorite movies were based on books and and I I just, I didn't even know it. So just sort of having my eyes open to that, I was like, wow, like this is really, really cool. Like I'm enjoying this, you know, and I'm right about to graduate high school thinking about what am, what am I going to do next and, and going to college and all those things. And knowing that what I'm seeing visually on the screen were actually these written words. First. I don't know why, but like, that's the first time that kind of computed for me and I'm like okay I want to I want to tell stories like Mm -hmm. I knew that that's what I want to do and then the you know the flip side of that you know I'm so fortunate that you know a lot of our solution providers that we work with at Foresight or the stories that that we tell you know they're really really powerful stories and we have amazing amazing writers on our team and I can kind of take what they've already laid the foundation up and just put a little spin on it for social to kind of pivot our audience to the full article. So that's, I, I, I absolutely love it. Yeah, I totally relate to you. I wrote my first book at the age of eight in third grade. And I mean, what was it about? I knew you're going to ask me that as soon as I said it. I'm pretty sure this one was about a teacher named Mr. Lambert. He was like the central figure. I don't really remember what the conflict was. But I do recall like writing it, illustrating it and like binding it and the whole nine. And I remember my teacher called my dad and was like, your child has a gift. (laughs) And now I've published two books and I run this, you know, marketing agency and we do all this storytelling marketing and nurture marketing. So yeah, the rest is history. But I totally relate to like my husband is a financial advisor. And so like, I'll be like, honey, can you let me know, you know, like, how do I work out this percentage again? <laughs> but I do all the thank you notes in the, in the family, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Same, same. Yeah. And my husband's handwriting is atrocious. I hope he doesn't listen same. to this. He's going to be very upset with me. I won't tell him. I won't tell him either. Thank all you. right. So on a recent episode of Foresight Radio, you talk about the importance of curiosity. Can you share more about that with our listeners? Oh my gosh. I mean, I think one of the reasons I love hosting our our podcast is it's it's a learning experience for me, right? Like we we just talked about, you know, my mom is really my only connection to to this industry, but I have grown to care for it so much and I think in line with that comes the curiosity. Whoever I talk to, like I don't it makes me feel like I'm never asking a dumb question. And I think it gives you a lot of confidence to help you storytell when you don't feel like you're asking dumb questions. It helps shape your story, you know, and whoever you're talking to, they're so thrilled to inform you and let you into their world. And I think that's that's one of the things I am so, so grateful for in this industry, you know, you and so many other connections that that I've made or when I see people at conferences, it's so warm and welcoming because people want me and other people that are working in this industry in into this world, you know, especially if you're outside of the industry. I think it's it's one of the really, really steadily growing ways to move the industry forward is to bring people in actually that aren't from senior living. I know that sounds very, very strange, but I think that outside of the box thinking helps you grow as an industry. I totally agree. And I say, you know, this is an industry that's growing so quickly and 
is, you know, in many ways driven by capitalist America, right? Where it's like, you know, it is in most cases a for-profit industry, right? And Mm -hmm. uh, we have our nonprofits, but majority are for-profit, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, sometimes in the marketing game, it becomes, let me throw some money at digital marketing so that I can get leads in. And at Big Buzz, we call the word facility, the F word, because we're like, don't nobody want to move themselves into a facility. Like that's a jail, Or like, you know, we're trying to fill beds is another phrase that we hear from time to time. It's like, that is not what any of this is about. And so I always like to coach client teams around getting curious about the people that we serve, right? Like, let's just start there. That like, what if it's not a sales interaction? What if it's building a relationship with someone who may very well change your perspective on something, right? Or vice versa. And what if that person never, ever moves in, but you had a rich experience, right? And the thing is, is that when we cultivate sales and marketing teams that operate from that center of curiosity, move-ins do go up because there's something indelibly so different about that particular organization because they're heart to heart, eyeball to eyeball, really connecting with people and really getting curious about how do we create something together that will give you the life that you want. So I love that you're little miss curiosity. I'm with you. Absolutely. I mean, because you you touched on something really, really cool, which is, you know, it's a this is a a human to human industry, you know, and we always, quote unquote, say person centered. Right. And I think (laughs) that's pun intended, a buzzword. You guys don't do that. (laughs) But I don't think that's true. And I think not senior living related, but funny, quick backstory about me, too. I actually did sales for a little bit. I sold gym memberships and I only bring this up to basically back up your point of it comes to sharing an experience, your own personal experience or talking or listening. I think one thing a lot of salespeople tend not to do, you know, I'm not calling out everybody, you don't listen. Like there's no, just, just quiet, quiet yourself, quiet your thoughts and really hear what someone's saying. So at the gym, you know, it was this big, big chain gym. I won't say the name, absurd, but I, I did sales there and it was really intimidating. You know, I'll paint this picture. You walk in the lobby, it's huge. There's like 45 TVs. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. It doesn't even make sense that there's that many TVs. The electric bill, <laughs> I don't get it. And then immediately like you're greeted by like, you know, of course all these trainers and buff people. But then there was me. <laughs> Little Rachel walks out and she's the salesperson. And I would start having these conversations and I'm particularly with women of like, why do you want to be here? Like, what's what, why is this journey to your health and fitness important? Mm. And I would really listen, hear what's holding them back. And then I would share, you know, my experience, you know, which was, I used to weigh almost 200 pounds and I had to go. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. I, I, what a journey I on a you've big had. Big journey. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And and I would share that with them, and you would just see like that was it. That was the moment for them where like, yes. oh, okay. She didn't always like look like this. She didn't always go on hikes. She wasn't always active. She had to build to this. And you know what? So can I. Yeah. So yeah, yeah listening's really powerful. Yeah. You 
touched on the one most important question. Like I'm always like with my client teams, I'm like, if you don't take away anything else, take away this one question that when you are having a tour and move in conversation and you're getting curious about what their story is and they're sharing with you, if they share, for example, the question is, why is that important to you? So like the adult child might be like, I want to know, like in the memory care, like what's the difference in security between memory care and assisted living? Why is that important to you? Well, I'm concerned that mom is, I don't think she's got dementia yet. She's not been diagnosed, but I'm concerned. I'm seeing some signs. And so I want to know that she's safe. Why is that important to you? And you just, we just keep drilling down with this question. It takes, it takes folks a while to get the hang of it because it feels redundant to them, but to the person to whom you are speaking, you are deepening and developing the conversation and the relationship, right? So then she's like, well, when I was a kid, my grandmother was sent away to a nursing home and she had dementia and she got out and got her hands on a car. This is a halfway true story of my own family and drove an hour out of town and wrecked the car and was really banged up. Now we're talking about what is really in the heart of this person around why a senior living solution is important. It's not about a facility. It's not about a bed. It's not about a move-in. It's not about a tour at that point. It's about a person who has a history, who has memories, who has things that are indelibly important to them. And I always say like the things that are important to them are not the amenities. It's not the dining. It's, it's like, here's my family experience. And I want to know that we're all safe and loved. It almost always comes down to some version of, I want to know that we're all safe and loved. Right. But when you connect on that level and it doesn't take a lot, it just takes curiosity and then asking the right questions and listening. Right. Like, like we all need, myself included, need to talk a little less and listen a little more, right? Well, it's a, it's a skill, right? You know, going, going back to what you said, you know, what are what are some things I've implemented to help with my stories? I mean, that's that's part of it, though. Like you got to work on it. It's just like, I just tell myself, all right, Rachel, shut up. <laughs> it's okay. Like, <laughs> right. like, stop, take it in. And the other thing I love about what you just said is it just made me, it's like therapy, right? Yeah. Like that's the whole reason people go to therapy. It's like to get to the root of what they're actually trying to work on. So if you can shift your perspective to what you just said, it's like treat these tours almost like a little, a little, little mini therapy session, you know, yeah. and yeah. you're really trying to get to the root. It's like whenever a couple has a fight, right? Like if they're fighting about something stupid about where to go to dinner, it's never about the dinner. Uh, right. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And so like true. you said, it's something deeper. It's never, people don't want to move into senior living for amenities or this and that they want a shared communal experience. And I think ultimately, like you said, everybody wants to feel safe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the world is scary and noisy in yeah. general. And yeah. I, I think that feeling of safety or knowing that you have like a home base to go, that is like your safe haven. Mm-hmm. is incredibly important. Yeah. I have this handbook on sales on my desk and it literally says, stop talking. I keep it in front of me. Wendy, stop talking. (laughs) Of course, we're on a podcast show today. So our job is is to talk, but (laughs) in a a relationship building client situation. All right. So let's talk social. Can I just say, and 
And to knit this together, social media is like the open house, right? For the senior living organization. It's just happening online. It's happening 24 seven, but the rules of engagement are the same, right? There's a terrific book I talk about all the time on the show called social media is a cocktail party. That's sort of the premise of the book, right? So it's like, you know, show up, mingle, chat, respond when people talk to you, right? So it's like all of those rules of decorum that we activate during a cocktail party go for social media. And social media can also be thought of as like the precursor to like the conversations leading to a tour, the tour itself, the conversation around that, the move in itself, the conversation around that, right? Social media is sort of warming up all of that. So Mm -hmm. can I just say that your engagement is off the charts. Like every time you post, you get dozens of likes and then like at least a handful of comments. So I want to know, like, what are your secrets that you could share with our audience? Oh my gosh. Wow. Where to begin? No, well, you, you touched on a couple of things there, right? That I really, really love. And, and I'll start by saying never post and ghost. That is a famous saying I heard Think about it like online dating. Anyone who is who is in that world, God bless you. Godspeed. You'll be okay. But <laughs> I compare it to the online dating where, you know, you're having this great connection with someone and then you don't hear from them. And you're like, oh, oh no. So if you can kind of flip the script here, obviously not in a romantic sense, but you're on social media. This person has connected with you. Then they've gone the extra step to give you some feedback or encouragement or whatever it is. And that's it. You're just going to let it sit there. Mm-hmm. That's a big no, no. And, and, and I, and I, I just look at it as almost a, it's a slap in the face to the effort that they just made to connect with you. And that's just not the kind of person I am. I, I genuinely want to use social media for genuine connections and build, build community. You know, I was just talking about this on an episode of our podcast where it's like, there's this dark side to social media where it, it can sometimes inhibit your your real life connections and social skills and all of those things. However, I'm a strong believer in using social media for for good. You know, I think I think there's a use for it, and it's a great way to build community to highlight the work that you're doing, your community's doing. And yeah, so going back to some of these tips here, that's my A number one. Don't post and ghost. So mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. And to bring that back to the cocktail party analogy, if you know a, an executive director or a leader of marketing or sales in a senior living organization who's listening today was at an open house event and had all these, you know, would-be residents around them. And one of the residents came up and said, I really like what you're doing here. I like how hospitable you all are. And everyone's been very welcoming on social media. Things like that happen all the time, comments like that. And then organizations aren't organized to respond. Like not responding is no different than like that executive, like just walking away during that that open house, right? That like, uh uh-huh. Anyway, got to go over here. I mean, it really does make it awkward where it's like we're socializing on the internet, just the same way that we would socialize at an open house at your organization. And so, you know, definitely have people monitoring social posts for comments and for likes for, and especially those posts. I mean, I see organizations that are doing this extraordinarily well, and they are getting a lot of engagement 
from family members and from friends of residents and especially like those celebratory posts of, you know, major milestone, maybe major birthdays, maybe it's an octogenarian's birthday or a, you know, hundred year old's birthday. Right. And like share that, like, like celebrate that even further, like continue to share that on different outlets to get even further exposure that like, this is what it looks like to be social with us and be in relationship with us. What challenges do you see coming up for senior living marketers when it comes to social media marketing? Oh, I love, I love, love, love that question. That's a great question. I think one of the biggest things that not, again, not to place blame on the algorithm that this is what I'm getting at is the algorithm. I think it's always changing. People don't know how often to post, where to post, when to post. However, the way to combat that though, and take some ownership on yourself though, it's just being consistent. You know, I have been working on content creation since 2008 and it has grown and grown and grown and grown. And now I'm so thankful to pull LeBron, you know, bringing his talents to South Beach when he made that hilarious statement. You know, I'm so fortunate that Steve saw something in that Steve Moran, the founder of Foresight and, and, and brought me on board to bring those talents to Foresight. But it's, it's about being consistent, you know, and I think the algorithm is tricky. It's always changing. LinkedIn has changed so much since, again, going back to, you know, 2008 or becoming this, it was solely just a job platform for, it's so different now, almost to an extent it is replacing Facebook. You know, obviously you still want to, it's a, it's a fine line of what you can share and don't share, but I encourage people to be authentic, be consistent and, and I think that's kind of one way around that challenge of the algorithm. And then quickly to add to that, I think another problem that a lot of people face with social media marketing is that maybe they don't have one person dedicated to it, right? Like, and it's tough. You know, I want to be really, really generous with that as, you know, we're potentially heading into a recession. There's always financial challenges that, uh, you know, a company or organization is going to face, So I will say though, one, if you can't afford it, yes, please, please get a dedicated person to help you write the copy, to format your videos, the correct format for every platform, to do captions for you that are interesting and eye-catching. But again, that's a problem though. So how, how do you combat that if you can't afford to hire someone? Well, you batch your content, you make a content calendar and you try to get out at least, I always recommend a few weeks ahead. That way you can kind of you have your content, a steady stream. You can post it through a posting platform if you don't want to post organically. Now, even LinkedIn has a feature where you can schedule posts on LinkedIn. So I think it's one batching content, putting it out there for a couple of weeks, going back and let's regroup, make more content. So that that's kind of a nice way to do it if you don't have the resources to have one person dedicated to that. I was just going to say, as you were talking about the consistency, I was like, and have one person do it. (laughs) So you finished my sentence there. And yeah, it's so crazy. We were talking yesterday as a firm about like way back in the day in 2007, when I started my firm, I was like, I set aside this entire like half day to be like, I'm going to start my blog. And then like, I went on my website, I added a blog page and then wrote my first piece. And like 30 minutes later, I was like, well, that's done. And then about once a week, we, for a long time, added, you know, one 500 word article about how you could solve a marketing issue on your own. 
as many of our listeners know, we added we added some more in-depth eBooks that are coming out about quarterly now. And we'll publish like excerpts of that. But it's so interesting that just showing up and doing the thing, like just like writing once a week has turned into this body of work that like for me, eventually turned into two books, right? And then last year was really pivotal. I think it was the year prior, Steve Moran came up to me at Smash and was like, you have a real opportunity to be a social media influencer. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, that's not really me. Like, I'm more of like a lecture kind of gal. Like, <laughs> like I'm more formal. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like, you just start posting. He's like, post like tiny little snippets of what you would lecture about, which is what I kind of mm. do on some level now, right? And what's so fascinating to me is that after, so I committed to... Steve in 2021, I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to like up my social media game. And then I got Melinda Gisbert, who many of our listeners know, she's our client services manager. I got her on board. So she's like, I'm going to do it too. So last year we posted on our personal LinkedIn pages and um, one of our support team members posted on the Big Buzz page five days a week, consistently all year long. Okay. So like coming full circle, we went to smash last year and almost everybody who walked past us was like, Oh, there's Wendy and Melinda. I was a little freaked out at first. Like I was like, how do y'all know me? They've been at my party this whole time. They've been at the social media party. Right. And so, and many, many older adults are hanging out, especially on Facebook. And there's so much to be said for just show up five days a week post something relevant to your target audience, have one person managing that, have it managed through a, a calendar. I didn't even know that you could um, uh, schedule posts on LinkedIn. I jotted that down. I'll check that out. So yeah. And so you can really automate it. And then when, for me, when I, when I thought of it as, okay, it is an event. Like it is, like, if I really like to lecture, let me go like make it my lecture stage. Like that's what I feel most comfortable doing. And that's appropriate on LinkedIn, right? If our listeners are really comfortable with, you know, small boutique open houses, then make that sort of your like imaginary digital platform that like, if I was at an open house, like what would I say to somebody then? And then just make a post about it. So anyways, I hope some of this is helpful. I hope we're not oversimplifying because Rachel and I get really passionate about this stuff. And yeah. on some level, it comes naturally to us. That's, I mean, that's the other thing. I'm getting ready to lecture in a variety of places on right brain and left brain marketing and how your right brain marketers are wired for this. Like the Rachels and the Wendy's of this world, the storytellers are the ones who like pick out that person on your team and like put them in charge of social media marketing because they love that stuff. Like they dig it. They like being social. They like telling stories and they'll get all of this that we're talking about. If you're, if you're more of a left brain person, you're like the marketing, you know, data analytics, marketing planning person, and you're listening and going, this sounds ridiculous to me. Turn this over to that person on your team that is that right brain creative thinker and they will click and get it. Oh, absolutely. And I, I want to bring down a couple of things you just said, because I think going back to sort of like the micro posting on LinkedIn and posting about things that you would lecture about, right? So there's two amazing things that are coming out of you doing that. One, you're offering value, but you're not putting it behind a paywall. You're that's just right. Giving, yeah. So that's yep. one huge Very thing. important. In social media and content marketing, that's so important for our listeners to hear that like it's got to be and a paywall for in senior living is two or now, 
please mm-hmm. take that call to action off of your desk forever. Mm-hmm. Delete it from all of your digital media because that's not what the action is that most people are going to be most likely to take. The action that they're most likely to take is to read an article that will help them solve a problem that they have today on their own. Yeah. And then that will position your organization as the expert, right? Exactly. I mean, and that's the thing. And now by no means am I saying like, give away like your true gems or your true nuggets. Or something. Right. That is what people need to pay for or, you know, those kind of things. But what I'm trying to get at is, yes, please. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of him by now. His name's Gary Vaynerchuk. He's the CEO of Intermedia and he's done Empathy Wines. He's a huge entrepreneur, but he he puts a lot of content out there. And one of the things that he drills in in his messaging is value, 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 value. So I kind of made up this little saying, like jokingly, you know, in sales, it's it's the ABC is right, like always be closing. So, but if you're doing this type of storytelling marketing, I say follow ABV, always bring value. So that's kind of the second part of what you're getting at, right? Like, don't just post the post, you know, and I was joking around about our founder, Stephen Moran's post about like, don't post stuff that's just look at me bring like offer something that people can can take away like yeah of course highlight your wins and talk about things i do think that's exciting and and your community does love to see that like you talked about you built this online community and you have people you're connected with but also bring value what are you teaching someone what are you going to mm-hmm. walk away from reading your post like are they just going to be like oh that's like everything else i just saw or are they going to be like oh well hold on i didn't think about it that way let me try this. Let me try what they're saying. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Once you've served up that value through those considerations slash nurture marketing vehicles like content and social media, and then the prospect clicks through to your website or to you know reads to the bottom of a blog about you know five signs that memory care may be in your future, right? That's really helpful to them without asking them to take, that's very valuable to them without asking them to take a tour right this very second. Now, when they get through to the bottom of that blog or they click through to the website, it's absolutely appropriate to say, we would love to have a conversation with you. In that conversation, we'll provide clarity on root causes of, you know, loss of memory will provide to you research and expertise that we have on how to manage memory care, either on your own or when you're ready for care, right? But offering just the conversation, because again, people are not interested in a bed or a place, or they're certainly not interested in moving. They're not interested in packing up 40 years of stuff and moving. Now, what they could be interested in is, can we have a conversation about a clearer vision for what your future might look like when these issues are resolved? Boy, that sounds like something that an older adult might like to engage in, right? So this is pull marketing. And this is an old concept from the early 2000s, pulling, inviting folks to be in community and be in relationship with you before they even have a move-in conversation. After two or three of these conversations, the next logical thing for that person is, I should decide which level of care I want to move into. 
At that point, that's the decision of like, which of these wonderful solutions that these folks have provided to me with all of this other value and listening, which one should I decide on? Not should I decide to just stay home? What has people stay home is I don't have a relationship with you. I don't feel safe here. I don't feel loved and I don't feel cared for. I feel like you push things on me and I'm doing okay at home. Anyways, I digress. But no, well, you touched on something really interesting before we move on to the, you know, the last topic or so that you want to cover, Winnie. But I think there's been a huge shift in marketing. And I think it's like, because I, I got on a big Mad Men kick for a while, right? So you go back to like those days and you're like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, that makes sense. Like you're, you're, you're trying to showcase and highlight an experience, you know, in an ad or something. And you're really just pushing products. Now though, now marketing is about evoking emotion. And I think that's something that you have just touched on that it's like, that's it. If someone takes one thing away from our conversation, it is that marketing is about evoking emotion. That's ultimately what stands out in someone's mind. I think about that, particularly over the holidays or the Super Bowls coming up, which I'll be watching the commercials that really stand out to me. It's like some kind of emotion, either absolutely hilarious or like, Disney Pixar up level, like (laughs) (laughs) emotional, right? And and if you want to stand out, evoke emotion. Yes. And there's so much data behind what you just said. And there's so much data that an organization listening today can relatively quickly and easily gather to gauge how to really nail that emotional marketing for your specific organization. So anyways, that's a that's another topic for another day. Before we go to a quick break, tell us what's happening with Senior Living Foresight, any upcoming events or content goodies y'all have emerging. Oh my gosh, we've got a lot of cool things going on in the new year. You know, you mentioned our podcast earlier, Foresight Radio. We just ended up on a list of top 50 podcasts in senior living. So Really, really thrilled. That was so special. We're in great company. There's some other great podcasts on there. So informative. So I have that linked on my personal LinkedIn page, Rachel Hill. You can find me. We are doing some cool stuff. We are actually going to be producing some webinars with the one and only Big Buzz. So those will be coming out in the spring. Of course, Steve will be around at conferences. You can't miss them. Fly them <laughs> down. And then the last thing I'll say is Steve continues to push us to be innovative and do these these things that no one else is doing. Um, So we're actually, we're live streaming. We do a couple live streams. Steve has always had his, which is Foresight TV. I host one called Care and Conversations with the company Care. We talk about all caregiver issues and how to support frontline staff. We have a marketing one, Marketing Mondays. You know, and we're just really trying, again, going back to what I said, bring value. We really hope to open people's eyes to new ways of thinking um, in the industry. So that's a little bit about what we got going on. Love it. All right. After a quick break, we're going to do a rapid fire session to uh, wrap up. Can't wait for answers to some of your biggest marketing challenges. Go to bigbuzzinc.com slash download to get access to a full library of educational eBooks that shine a light on how you can consistently achieve high census. Predicated on data gathered from thousands of senior care professionals, these eBooks pack leading edge industry intel that can't be found anywhere else. Visit bigbuzzinc.com slash download to get full access to the ebook library now. That's bigbuzzinc.com slash download. 
And now, back to the show. All right, we're back. Rachel, okay, so I've got like five or six questions for you. I'm going to ask I'm nervous. I didn't know this was coming. I'm sweating over here. (laughs) Rapid fire. It is getting hot. (laughs) Let's go. No, 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 it's going to be fun. All right, so I'm going to ask you a question. You give your answer. I'll give an answer too, and then I'll go to the next question. All right? Do it. All right. Favorite tool for making social media marketing simpler? Canva. And I would say social pilot. Mm -hmm. Favorite type of post? Oh, video. (laughs) That's a good one. I like pets or babies because they always get a lot of likes. It's like it's like the easy, the low hanging fruit. The personal, right? We keep talking about connections. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Least favorite aspect of social media marketing? Always having to be on. Like you're going from platform to platform. So I highly recommend if you are the sole person doing that for an organization, like decompress, take breaks in the middle of the day. It's it's a lot coming at your brain. You know, obviously I love it, but you do really have to be on the spot to respond in the comments, seeing what's going on. So yeah, I think I think that's one of the challenging parts about a really great job. <laughs> yeah. And I would say like the nitty gritty of the technology, like y'all probably may have seen my post. It was a video post where I was like, I had on my Big Buzz logoed jacket and I was like, I legit cannot figure out how to make this like not backward. It was in reverse. And there's a, seems so silly to me. Like, why doesn't Instagram just like, why is it reverse? But anyway, so there's a filter that you have to use to make it blah, blah, blah. But anyway, this, like, I'm already glazing over. Like, I'm like, oh, I just want to like produce the piece and get it posted. (laughs) Yes. What do you think is the most important social media metric to measure? Oh, hands down engagement, right? Like, yeah, you can get really blown away by impressions, subscribers, things like that. Um, That's great though. That is an accomplishment. I don't want to take that away from anyone. However, it's the engagement that like you kind of already alluded to is going to lead to conversion. It's going to, and even more important, equally as important is going to create community online. I totally agree. And if you think about like, maybe your organization only has like 500 or a thousand followers, but that's an open house with 500 or a thousand people, right? Now, maybe your organization only has 25 followers. That's still an open house with 25 people. And sometimes that smaller open house can have a higher impact. So start where you are. I totally agree. Like measuring engagement. I used to get real like caught up in like number of followers, impressions. But at the end of the day, you I think you really nailed it. That like what creates community and relationship is engagement. Okay, last one. One word to describe your approach to social media marketing. Authenticity. Nice. That's a good one. I would say fun. Mm. And for the majority of my adulthood, I've had this catchphrase that if it ain't fun, Wendy ain't doing it. <laughs> Amazing. We're so in line. I and and because it shows it it shows through. It shows through when you're being authentic or you know, on your side of things, when you're having fun, your community sees that, your online community sees that, and it's highly effective and relatable. So yeah. Very true. Oh, Rachel, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Are you kidding me? This was such a treat. I am so honored. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to Marketing Mysteries Solved. If you found this episode enlightening, please subscribe to our show and leave a review. To hire Wendy to speak to your organization or to explore working together, get started now at BigBuzzInc.com. That's BigBuzzInc.com. We look forward to connecting with you. Thank <laughs> you.